Good morning. Before we get started here, um, Christina wanted to recite a few verses pertaining to the what we're going to be looking at this morning. So, Christina, you want to come up here and just stand there and face this fearsome crowd of smiling faces? And whenever you want to get started, honey. Thank you, Christina. Notice how she didn't give you the passage at first. You couldn't follow along, right? And check her. That's okay. I think she did pretty good. I think mommy was checking her. I think you did real well, dear. Well, today's a special day, isn't it? And uh, coming up here is an even more special day. What we got coming up here in a few days, kids? I'm going to talk to the kids here first. What's going to be going on? Alice started to raise her hand. So let's go a little bit younger than Alice. Just a little bit younger, about 12 and under for kids. Kids, what day is going to be happening here in a few days? Abby? Christmas is coming. That's right. That's right. And kids, what is Christmas all about? Caleb? We remind ourselves when Jesus is born. Is that what Christmas is all about, Caleb? All right. I mean, it's not about family and relatives. It's not about a lot of good food and good desserts and eating too much. No. No. <laughs> I better be careful with my questions. I'll be getting answers all the whole thing along from Abigail. <laughs> That's right. Christmas ought to be about Jesus, shouldn't it? Should. God the Father sent his son to the earth. This is such a monumental day that even to this day, almost 2,000 years later, it cannot be ignored. As much as this world tries to uh, be politically correct, happy holidays, uh, as I like to say at work, the reality is you can't ignore the birth of Jesus. How about, uh, see, the older kids. Is even the older kids, say from Christina's age up, 10 and up, you know what 2008 A.D. means? What does A.D. mean? A little bit younger than Dave. Yes, Stephanie. That's right. It means 2008 
Anno Domini, A.D., in the year of our Lord. That's right. Careful, keep an eye out, because some people would like to use the word C.E., common error, or B.C.E., before common error. They're replacing, I'm, I'm dead serious, they're replacing A.D. and B.C., because they want to take Christ out of everything. This is the world we live in. They want to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They want to keep the name of Jesus out of everything, especially Christmas. Why? That's the world. That's the ruler of this world. Every opportunity, remove his name. Well, today we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to do nothing but talk about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus came. What did it mean to the Father to send the Son to this world? What did it mean to those around him when he came? And what does it mean to you and me today that Jesus came here? What did it mean to the Father? Jesus told a story of a landowner. The landowner had, had built this establishment, really. He really established this, this, this farm, this winemaking farm, this vineyard, and he gave it to stewards, servants. And he said, take care of it. But these servants abused their powers and wouldn't listen to the landowner, although he sent messengers, messengers to them. He... He sent messengers to them and they wouldn't listen. So Jesus, in telling the story, said this. The landowner had an idea. Then last of all, he sent his son, saying, they will respect my son. If you want to know how much the father thinks about his son, appreciates his son, then all you have to do is read the Bible. Page after page, time after time. If there's anything the father likes to do, it's to talk about his son in the Bible. And I just want to take some time. At first, I was going to do a message talking about the different reactions of the Lord Jesus, different reactions of people when he came. And we'll get to a few of those at, later. But I thought, you know, we need to talk about Jesus. We really do. So I'm going to go through some names of Jesus. And it's giving me like a panorama. Sometimes when you see a panorama of Yosemite, if you, you can't take it all in in great detail. But when you see the panorama, what do you normally say when you, when you see that panorama of Yosemite? That's right. Wow. Let's just try to soak in the Lord Jesus this morning. And I hope we all come away saying, wow, as we think about who he is, his person, his work. Who is he? The Lord Jesus, he's the creator of all things. All things were made through him, by him, and for him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last the Alpha and the Omega. He is the seed of the woman. The, woman who, the one who would be hurt by that serpent of old, Satan. But the one who would eventually crush him. Crush, destroy Satan. Who is he? He's Abraham's. Remember when Abraham came back from that victory? And he wouldn't take anything from the king of Sodom and Gomorrah? What does the Lord say next? I am your what? Shield. An exceedingly great reward. That's the Lord Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is Melchizedek's most high God. High above any and all others. That's the Lord Jesus. He is the God who sees. And like Abraham experienced with Isaac on the mountain, he's the God who provides. Remember what Job said? I know that my Redeemer lives. He's the Redeemer that Job spoke about. 
Who is he? He's the Moses. He's Moses's I am that I am. He is the great I am. This is the Lord Jesus who came. He's the one that Moses said, God will raise up a prophet like me. Him you must hear. And whoever doesn't hear him will be cut off from his people. This is Jesus. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the one promised to David, David's descendant, who will sit on the throne forever. He is the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is the mighty God, the father of eternity, the prince of peace. He is the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. He is the messenger of the covenant who suddenly came to his temple. Who is he? The Lord Jesus is Emmanuel. Think of that. God with us. He is the Savior. You will call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Word, the complete expression, the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. He is full of grace and truth. This is Jesus. He is the light of the world. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He's the only begotten Son. The beloved Son with whom the Father was well pleased when He, come, when he came to be baptized to be associated with sinners. The Father made sure that we realize He is not a sinner. This is my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. He's the only one we need to hear. He is the resurrection and the life. He's the one, you can believe in him, and though you died, you will live. And he who believes in him will never die. The resurrection and the life, that's the Lord Jesus. He ruined every good funeral he, he attended. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The only one you can go to to know for sure how to get to heaven, how to be right with the Father. He is the Son of God, and He is the Son of Man. He is the servant of all. Everyone who came to Him by faith was healed. He is the one who is meek and lowly at heart. The only one who will give you rest for your souls. He is the only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He is the rock, the stone of stumbling, and the rock of offense. He's the only mediator between God and man. The only advocate you have with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the precious cornerstone. That stone which the builders would reject, he's become the chief cornerstone on which the church is built. He's the great shepherd of our souls. He is the bright and morning star. He is the redeemer 
the one who paid the price for you and me. He's the Holy One. He who knew no sin, who did no sin, and there was no sin in Him. The Holy One, Jesus. He is the Prince. He's the King of the Jews. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What did it mean to the Father to give us His Son? This is only a smidgen. As we were saying this morning at the devotional, God's indescribable gift. We're just scraping the surface at this point. I like it the way other scriptures come in to describe who the Lord Jesus is. It says this, He who did not spare His own Son, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? It's like saying this, you know, the Lord, He already gave you everything you could possibly want in a son. I thought about this. What would be an illustration like this? I thought, if my, grown, if my children were grown and they were all fighting in a war for this country and they were all in the Marines and the Marines came to me and said, you know what, um, would you mind? We know we got all five of your kids, but we're kind of short on funds. You know, could we, could we have $100? Do we have a thousand dollars? You know what? After you've given all your kids, what does it matter? You, here, here, take it, take it all. Why? You've already got my best. You've already got the most. Everything else is just spare change. What does it mean? What does the Lord Jesus mean to the Father? I don't know if we can answer that question. We can only begin to imagine, to begin to appreciate, begin to wonder. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. As we think about the Lord Jesus being all these things, It's amazing to me to think of his birth. There's certain things we walk around outside and we can walk around in the grass and certain things we try not to track into the house and we try not to track into the chapel when we step in it. The Lord was born amongst that. Animals, animal feces. Not in it, but amongst it. Humble, incredible. Matthew chapter 2, reading of verses... Uh, 1 through 2 and the 9 through 11. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in those days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What did it mean to the wise men? Well, for the wise men, 
they knew the king of the Jews was coming. Somehow, they could see it in the stars. Now, I've kind of searched the scriptures, and you know, there's a mention of a star there kind of almost cryptically. So somehow the Lord revealed it to them in the stars. But what did it mean for them to come? Because Jesus was here. How long did it take them? When you look at this passage, you realize they were preparing for two years, both either preparing and making this trip. They saw the star, they prepared, and they came. It meant something to them. This was the king of the Jews, and they wanted to come and see him. It meant realizing the importance of the trip. How can you tell the importance of the trip? By taking two years to make it, and then what they brought. They brought gold, even to this day, one of the finest precious metals we have. Gold, speaking of a king, royalty being born. They brought frankincense, an expensive, aromatic fragrance. This speaks of Jesus' beautiful, sinless life. I might have mentioned this before, but I think it's worth repeating. We had a Bible study where a gal come, and she was a very nice person. And someone had shared the bad news with her, and she just didn't see that she was a sinner. But when she came, and week after week, she saw the life of Jesus. She went back to that same person weeks later. She said, I need to get saved. And he said, well, what was the difference? She said, I see the life of Jesus, and I'm not like him. You see? That's the... That's the beauty of the Lord Jesus. In the, in the book of Isaiah, he was that root out of dry ground. Guess who the dry ground is? That's us. We're the dry ground, us sinners. Here's Jesus, that root, that green coming up to God. Frankincense, a beautiful aroma rising up to God. And then they also brought myrrh. This is a bitter herb. It's speaking of the same king, born king of kings and lord of lords, but he was also going to suffer. He was going to be taste that bitter death for all of us. For these wise men, the fact that Jesus was coming, what did it mean? That they weren't going to be deterred. They lost sight of the star, and they stumbled across Jerusalem. And they had stumbled across a king, We'll look at their response in a minute. But they weren't going to be distracted. They were going to continue on because they knew the goal was worth it. It meant when they found him, they were prepared to bow down. These are wise men. Okay? You know, you can see some of the illustrations, you know. And by the way, how many wise men were there? Kids, this is a question for you kids. How many wise men were there? For all you kids who have a number in your head, keep... Keep your hand up. You have a number in your head? You have a number? Christine, what's your number? Oh, that's right. The Bible doesn't say how many there were. That's right. Yes, Christine? More than one. Very good. Okay, that's good enough, Abby, Joshua, Caleb. That's good enough. We'll talk later. I'm sure you got plenty to teach me on that one. There was more than one wise men, not wise man. How many? We don't know. It never says how many there are. It says there's three gifts. 
These wise men studied stars. They were learned. What did they do? They were prepared to come and bow down to the foot of a two-year-old and as Dave, I think, read this morning, kiss the foot of God. That's humbling, isn't it? Humbling. They don't look at the outward appearance, but they valued the reality of the situation and they didn't just go by what they were seeing with their eyes. Think about this for yourself. Maybe your preparation in coming to the Lord has been a long time. Maybe it's been 40 years, 50, 60, 70 years. Maybe it's been a long time. Are you prepared? Are you fully prepared to come to the Lord and appreciate Him? And the first thing you need to do is bring what? You need to bring the gold. It's the most valuable thing you have in your life. In the same way they brought gold, realizing His royal position you come to the lord you need to realize he's the lord he's the king of kings and the lord of lords you have to come and submit to him i remember this in my own testimony i was growing up i was just an 18 year old kid but i was proud i didn't submit to anybody i did what mom and dad said just to keep things going but actually submit to someone else no i'm my own man and i won't work with jesus that's that most precious thing you have, your choice to submit to the one who made you and the only one who can fulfill you. You have to submit that gold of humility and repentance. He's the one who made you. He's given you everything that you have and whom one day you'll stand before. He is the Lord. He deserves the most. You have to come with the, the frankincense of understanding, as it were. You see Jesus has that perfect life. And then you look at your own life like that one gal did and you go, no, I got a problem. I'm a sinner who needs help. Jesus is perfect. The rest of us fall far short. We are sinners who could never be in his presence. And should be kept separated from him forever. But thankfully you can also come with the myrrh of faith. You can see through the pages of scripture. You can see Jesus in your mind's eye. According to the word of God. Dying on a cross for your sin. Paying that full penalty of all the holiness of God. Paying it for you. You can see and trust and receive that from the Lord Jesus. Do you believe this? Have you received it? Have you bowed down before him and said, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me and giving yourself for me. Well, there was other responses that day, wasn't there? At that time. Let's read some other responses. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. <coughs> when Herod the king heard this from the wise men, that a king was to be born, 
he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. There's a different response there, isn't it? What does it say about Herod? What was his response? He was troubled. Now, why would he be troubled? Because he's being told someone's being born king of the Jews. What was Herod's position? King of the Jews. That's a problem now, isn't it? You only have one king. Herod would have to vacate his throne and give it to another. To accept Jesus, you will have to vacate your throne and give it to someone else. You have to give it to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have to give it to the one who paid the price for it. He's the rightful ruler of our lives. The one we were made to know and to submit to. What does that mean? You have to take yourself off the throne. That's tough, isn't it? This is the Messiah. This is the one they've been waiting for for thousands of years. And it wasn't just Herod, was it? Who else was troubled? All Jerusalem. Now, why would all of Jerusalem be troubled? This is their Messiah. They've been waiting thousands of years for him. Why would they be troubled? Reminds me of uh, when my parents would go away and they give us a list of things to do and you know, we'd be kind of watching TV and messing around and goofing around and making each other mad. And all of a sudden you hear this, the doors open and close and mom and dad are home. You're in trouble, huh? Yeah, and done one thing they said. You know, it's your mom and dad. You should be happy that they're home. I'm glad my kids are happy when I come home. But when things aren't right, they're not necessarily glad to see me. Why was all of Jerusalem troubled? They weren't following the Lord. They weren't ready. God was coming. The Messiah was going to be here. They would realize it was going to take what? Change. The rightful king, the Messiah, would change things. He would clean house. He would remove the thieves, the money changers from the temple, as he did later. He would make spiritual things the priority and not the physical things of this earth. Are you willing to let Jesus come in and change things? To put spiritual things as a priority, himself as the priority? Things won't be the same. Scripture promises it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
One more passage I'd like to look at is in Luke chapter 2. Just after where Christina was reading, beginning at verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swallowing cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had, ser- that they had heard and seen and it was told them. It's a beautiful sight. You have humble shepherds, and they're just doing their job, watching the sheep. Everything seems to be going well, nice and quiet. One angel appears, then the whole sky is filled with angels. You know what? When God comes to this earth, there ought to be a sky full of angels announcing his birth. Amen? That's the most appropriate scene I can think of. But I want to talk to you about the afterwards. They were excited, weren't they? The Lord had spoken to them. They went and saw this thing. And, and it's no doubt who it is. In verse 11, the Savior, Christ the Lord. This is God, the Messiah, who's come to save you from your sins. But what's missing after verse 20? Do you see a troop of shepherds following Jesus after this time? They went and told others. Verse 17, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled. Wow, look at that. Do you see a whole group of people following the Lord afterwards? What happened? It faded, didn't it? I want to speak to the saints here at Calvary Bible Chapel. The Lord has come. The Lord has appeared to us in our lives. He has done great and wonderful things. And I want to encourage every saint here, don't fade away in your appreciation of the Lord. As you sit here this morning, don't lose that first love. When the Lord comes back, will he find faith, love, devotion on the earth? It was a sad thing when I thought about, what did these shepherds do? Go back to shepherding? What did these other people do? Go back to not thinking about the one who had come? 
I say this to you saints, saints I've known for decades. Some have, some have faded out. The Lord tells a story about this, the maids whose, oils, whose, whose lamps don't have enough oil. Draw near to the Lord day in and day out. Don't let that first love grow dim. The Lord has work for us to do. He has goals and desires and plans for us. Don't go back to just watching sheep. Christmas should be about Jesus. In coming and living and dying and rising for you and me, Jesus has done more for me and everyone else in this room than anyone else ever could or would. Not just on Christmas, but every day should be about Jesus. And you know what? One day, every day is going to be about Jesus. But we're going to talk more about that next week. This week was about when Jesus came the first time. Next week, the last Sunday of 2008, let's talk about when Jesus comes back the second time. Okay? We're going to look forward to being with the Lord Jesus, those of us who know him. And I want to put a, uh, an invitation out to all the men who know the Lord. I'd like to invite you to share. When we're in heaven, I think it's going to be a time of appreciating the Lord Jesus for everything he's done in our lives, starting at the cross and everything else afterwards. So next week, I'm going to provide some time for, and we've done this before at the chapel, for men who know the Lord to come up and to thank the Lord for who he is and what he's done. Maybe it's recently, maybe it's in 2008, Maybe it's just telling them you love them in general. But I would like you, I'm giving the invitation out to all the believing men here in the assembly. Call me this week. Let me know you have a desire to spend just a little bit of time to come up and praise the Lord and thank him. Because you know what? I think that's going to be a little taste of heaven. The difference is uh, that being is only going to last about an hour next week. And until that day when we can praise him on and on, we need to think about the fact that he came here, he came to die, he came to die and rise again for you and me and to give us life and that more abundantly. What does it mean to you today that Jesus came? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do want to say that we love you. Lord, we stop and we consider who you are. And Lord, you are that indescribable gift. We can't uh, plumb all the depths of all the different ways that you are all the different things that you've done and yet lord we love trying it's good for us and it's right to appreciate you the way you ought to be appreciated and lord jesus i pray for anyone here i pray for those who've been at this assembly a long time as children who have never really appreciated you they don't really know who you are lord jesus they don't really love you because if they knew who you really are, they'd really love you. And Lord, I just I pray for them that you would make it clear to them who you are and how wonderful you are, that Lord, they would fall in love with you. You would be their first and really only love. Lord, I pray for others who, who are older, who have visited, who have come and gone. Lord, whatever it takes, that they might not be like Herod, but they would get off the throne of their life 
Lord, I remember that day waving the white flag saying, here's my life. I don't know why you want it, but you can have it. I pray the same for them, Lord Jesus, that they might break for you, break in front of you, and claim you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray for the saints, Lord, that we might appreciate you more and more. I thank you for the, the elderly brothers and sisters who I see a, a, a better appreciation for you after decades of knowing you. Lord, we want to follow in their steps that we might be as the song we sing, he grows sweeter as the days go by. Lord Jesus, we are so glad you came. We don't know why you would. We thank you that God is love and you, beca- you came because of who you are. So Lord, as we have the opportunity this week to meet with family and friends, help us, lot, help us not to be ashamed to speak your name. And Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, dear Father, for your indescribable gift. And we pray in his name. Amen.